Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Aurore Zadeling and today I'm pleased to introduce you to Amory Gérard, founder and CEO of Emberlab, and Peter Nobles, director at PwC. In our last podcast, we talked about the people value proposition. Today, we will focus on one of its key components, mobility. Mobility is a key component of the people value proposition because it offers workers the flexibility and convenience to choose how they commute, hence they improve their overall job satisfaction and work-life balance. But we, before we start our discussion, Amori, could you please tell us a bit more about you and Umbrella? Yes, sure. Uh, so I'm Amori Gerard and I'm the CEO of Umbrella. Umbrella is an HR platform. We started in 2021. And actually what we do is helping employers to decrease their carbon footprint and increase their employer employees' uh, well-being by implementing flexible and sustainable mobility benefits. So simply put, we help companies to uh, implement flexible mobility plans. Thank you, Amouri, for sharing about you and Umbrella. I'm excited to talk about mobility today because we kick off the Mobility Week. And that's actually a good opportunity to reflect on the way we move and the choices that we have in terms of mobility. But no, Peter, let me ask you, why is it important to talk about mobility in the context of the workforce? Well, it's a good question, Aron, and I think you already touched upon it um, in, in your introduction. As you say, it's all about the employee value proposition that you provide as an employer to your employees. And if you think about it, um, in average, Belgian workforce commutes about 21 kilometers from their um, place of living to their uh, place of work. Those 21 kilometers takes about 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the evening. So it's in total one hour 20 a day that people are driving, walking, biking, whatever, uh, to their workplace. Now, if you look at some research, 40% of the Belgians indicate that they get stress out of that commute. And so the, the main question that um, an employer should ask himself is how can we make that experience for an, our employees more easy? Uh, it's not a very uh, easy question to answer uh, because obviously there are a lot of, um, a lot of um, fixed ideas around uh, mobility and specifically around company cars. I think needless to say that we all know that Belgium is a country that is known for its tra tradition of company cars. And they have the perception that they create that uh, ultimate uh, freedom. But as we look at um, the uh, amount of time that we spent in, in, in traffic jams, uh, there was a report from, from the Flemish uh, Traffic Center, for example, that came out just last month saying that we are at a record high of uh, time that we spent in traffic jams since the beginning uh, of measurement. Um, I think it's really now time that we look at challenging those fixed ideas and, and really look at other solutions. Um, not only because of the time that we spend in our, our cars, but also because more and more changing expectations of external stakeholders and the workforce generations. What people uh, today, when they join a, a new employer, uh, no longer ask automatically is, when do I get my company car? Especially younger generations are looking to other means of transport as well. And I think it's our task as an employer to to look at that. How can we reply to that? Yeah, we we see the same. And um, actually, in the past, the company car was really considered as the the holy grail of the salary package. And we are really shifting away from from that to go for more flexible mobility. And there we can see some underlying trends uh, as well. You mentioned the 
the war, the war for talents, which is a, has a big, big impact. Employers really want to propose the best package, the most flexible one, and mobility plays a, a big role because it's a meaningful benefit, especially for younger generations. Uh, that's true. That's what we see with our our clients uh, as well. And we see other trends, like, uh, for instance, governments uh, have a big role to play in that. They give a lot of incentives now uh, for more flexible and more uh, green mobility. Uh, in Belgium, we have a mobility budget, but we have also, also the, the, the change of taxation in 2026 for uh, company cars. In France, they have similar systems, etc. So regulation plays a big role uh, in, in that uh, as well. And the final trend that we see in that is um, more and more interest in sustainability from companies. Yeah. Um, and commuting plays a big role in the carbon emissions of a company. Up to 90% of the carbon emissions of a company comes from the commuting of their employees, especially in um, services companies where most of the work is done at the desk. Uh, most of the, com um, of the emissions come from, uh, from the commuting. And to, to illustrate this, um, we, um, we talk a lot uh, and that's that's right to do it. But we talk a lot about uh, the aviation industry, the planes polluting a lot. But actually, the commuting uh, represents a double of the, the the carbon emissions of the entire uh, aviation industry. So, if a company wants to act on their um, carbon footprint, they have to tackle the commuting of their employees. Oh, that, that's that's really a surprising figure. I yeah. I know that about sixty five percent of of uh, the workforce is commuting by car. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of expecting that to be yeah. a big figure, but Twice is really uh, an impressive, uh, impressive amount. Yeah, and it really shows that by just paying a bit of attention to the way your employees commute uh, and incentivizing right the right and green behaviors, you can really have an impact on your uh, carbon footprint in your company. Okay. And Peter, if I may ask a very spicy question, how can we balance then uh, the employee preference for company cars, even if we are aware that this trend is changing over time? Uh, so how can we balance employee preference for company cares with the sustainability goals of the company? Well, indeed, a very spicy question, a very difficult question that, that a lot of em employers are, are struggling with. I think it boils down again to uh, what we said earlier about the employee experience. Um, still, a lot of em employees have in their mind that company cars are the ultimate freedom and, of course, the most flexible way uh, to provide mobility to, to someone is still to put a company car or a car on the driveway of that person's house and that he can use uh, freely. But of course, as we see that there are no lo not, not only challenges in terms of uh, CO2 emission uh, stakeholders putting a lot of pressure on that, but also on the time that you spend in that car driving to work with uh, the, the, the traffic jams that are uh, increasing, I think there is definitely a story to bring and what is important is not only that as an employer you can bring that story of why do we need to change, but it's also about making sure that you demonstrate to your employees that those alternatives can provide the same level of comfort. And that is uh, key, I think, in, in this kind of exercises. What we sometimes see is that some employers use this mobility uh, topic a little bit as a greenwashing exercise. Um, and they just say, okay, as of tomorrow, uh, we, we also provide the, the, the mobility budget and you can choose alternative means. End of story, email was sent to all workforce and that's it. And then obviously what you can see is that the adoption rate of those kind of programs remain rather low. What's really the responsibility of the employer, I think at least if, if you want to get some return on investment of implementing these kind of solutions, is to really 
make it clear to the employee what it's in it for him or her to really help him understand that their level of comfort is still there, even if you look at alternative means of transport. How do you do that? Um, it's, I think, an important role to play in, in the ambassadors that you can find in any workforce. Um, for example, for one client, uh, what we did is we really looked at what are the segments that exist in their workforce uh, and how can we use those segments in terms of different needs of mobility and, and why they use certain uh, mobility solutions and really understand who are those representatives of those segments um, to use them and use their stories and bring them in the communication around, for example, uh, why to shift to public transport? What's the benefit of using public transport? Is it really that bad to use the train? And again, coming back to the research I mentioned earlier around the stress for commuting, actually, people that use public transport report 10% less stress than people that use private means of transport. So there's definitely stories to bring in your workforce already today. And using those ambassadors can really be uh, uh, a leverage, I think, um, in, in increasing the adoption of those programs. I don't know what you see. Uh. Yeah, it's definitely, it, you have to uh, have a holistic approach when it goes to, uh, to mobility. Uh, when you start uh, implementing such things in your company, it's not just about the company car, it's not just about mobility budget, but it's about really understanding the needs of your employees. What is the most easiest way for them and the most comfortable way to, to, go, to come to work, to go back home, etc. What's possible for Wu, etc. Um, and so that's why we always advise our clients to start with a survey with their, with their employees. Uh, that's the easiest way to understand the mobility of your employees. Just ask them. Uh, ask them the question and they will have a lot of things to say about it. Uh, and with that, you can really build a comprehensive mobility policy uh, that is, will be balanced. Of course, some people will still need a car to visit clients, for, for instance. Those are already convinced that coming uh, to work by bike is a is the good choice and are already doing it. They will continue to do that. And you can really propose that to the to the whole workforce. And working with ambassadors, we call them uh, champions. Uh, you really identify your champions and you always have people who are uh, who want to be early adopters in mobility or just new stuff. Uh, they, are, they want to be the first. Uh, find those champions and then it will grow or organically uh, for sure. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing these very concrete examples and, and good tips as well. I'm curious to learn about uh, how you integrate the teleworking uh, as also being part of the mobility policy or mobility strategy that you have, how do you see the, the interconnection between the two? Oh, they are very well uh, connected. Uh, and it's a bit related to the uh, apparent complexity that you can think when, we, when you mention uh, mobility. Uh, it's not that complex, actually. Uh, again, and why am, am I saying that? Um, in the mobility budget, uh, you have to know that the biggest usage done with the mobility budget, 67%, is to pay for housing costs in the pillar two of your uh, mobility budget. Uh, it shows that actually the biggest usage done with the mobility budget is hope working and is, is non-mobility, which is a form of mobility and must be part of a comprehensive mobility policy uh, inside, uh, inside the company. Then after uh, home working, you find other things like uh, public transport and bike. Uh, so don't expect a big bang. Don't expect that all your employees uh, will so all of a sudden come with scooters or steps to the office that you will have to foresee huge parking lots, etc. Et uh, no, uh, most of your employees will use com um, uh, uh, homeworking as a, a mobility choice uh, by default. So uh, it's definitely part of, uh, of the mobility policy. 
Yeah, I think the, the best mobility or the, the most climate-friendly mobility is the mobility that sure. you don't mm -hmm. need to use. I think that goes without saying. Um, nevertheless, what we did see, uh, I think we all remember uh, those scenes back from 2020 when uh, there was this uh, famous lockdown period for a disease that I'm not going to mention anymore. <laughs> and there were really those, those empty highways. Um, and everyone was saying, well, uh, thanks to daily working and, and, and uh, working from home, we will no longer have traffic jams. I think, unfortunately, what we see in practice today is that that's no longer the case. Um, with um, working from home, what we also see is that there is also more traffic uh, because people uh, shop more online. So there's also more heavy traffic, um, more uh, uh, small vans that are driving around. So I don't think that it's a solution for mobility as such but it does contribute significantly to the well-being of your employee and the experience that your employee has uh, while working for uh, for your company. So I think it's definitely one to consider um, as, a, as an overall solution uh, for your employees. Thank you very much for sharing this. Any other trends that you see on the market? What's cooking there? Yeah, what's, what we see on the market, we see three, three clear trends. The first one is the mobility budget. We have already talked a bit uh, about it, but we see a difference. Uh, it's really picking up for five, six months now. Uh, if you have, if you had asked me the question one or two years ago, my answer would have been completely different. Uh, back then, we we really had to evangelize uh, a bit. The the companies really explain the basics of the mobility budget. No, it's um, it's quite different. Uh, we have clients calling us directly, asking, can you can we implement the mobility budget as soon as possible? It's a big difference compared. Uh, to uh, to the past, so we are definitely firm believer that um, uh, the mobility budget will keep on increasing. Uh, it has increased three uh, x uh, each year since we started, and it's it's really picking up uh, still in the in the in the future. The 2026 deadline for the taxation of company cars will play a big role in the adoption of the mobility budget too, because. Um, the electric cars in 2026 will become by default a pillar one car. So by default, uh, the mobility budget will become the new standard uh, in in companies. So that's the first trend we see. The second one is um, what we call the, the total cost of uh, mobility. So we used to talk about um, the TCO, the total cost of, um, of ownership. Uh, but we see that the TCO is becoming more and more complex because of the changes of uh, in the in the taxation. And it goes way beyond the, the TCO, actually. Uh, we, um, we have now the mobility budgets. We have kilometer allowances. You have public transport subscriptions, etc. We have charging passes, which are also complex to, to manage. So it goes way beyond the TCO. Uh, and we prefer to, to, to talk about this TCM. So it, it was uh, uh, mobility was a topic for fleet managers. Then it was becoming a topic for HR manager. Uh, and now we see that CFOs and financial managers are really interested in, in mobility too. Uh, and the third trend we see on the market is, of course, the electrification of uh, fleet, which is the top of mind uh, topic for the moment uh, inside companies. And they are a bit lost because it's a, it's a total change of habits. They were used to manage cars. Uh, they were used to, to manage uh, fuel cars. And now it's completely different. It's new infrastructure. It's new behaviors. From, uh, from employees or they're a bit lost. Um, the biggest need we see uh, is that they don't understand or they don't have the tools yet to understand the, the energy mix of their uh, employees. Uh, are they using home charging, uh, work charging, or fast chargers, etc.? Uh, it's really hard for companies to 
uh, have a good overview of what uh, electrification means for them. So these are the three trends we see uh, on the market, mobility budget, electrification, and uh, the, the, the financial aspect of the total cost of mobility. Yeah, and if, if I can add to that, Marie, and, and what I find, find interesting about uh, the umbrella solution is the fact that you integrate those trends on your application. And I think we talked earlier about how you will also start integrating um, for the electric fleet uh, some some information and, and some processes in your application. And I think that's definitely also a very important element um, when you look at um, implementing this for your workforce. You don't want this to become a very heavy administration that they need to be constantly aware about, that they need to follow up um, really uh, precise to make sure that they get what they are entitled to. Uh, I think one of the important trends and asks that we see on the market today uh, when I talk to clients is about having that integrated solution that really facilitates not only the administration for the employee, but especially also for uh, the employer, because as you mentioned, all these new trends bring new things to know about, new things to take into account, uh, new processes to set up, uh, new things to process in payroll. So it's really overwhelming for employers. And if you have applications that can integrate that and feed that back into uh, payroll, which at the end of the day is a little bit the, uh, the end station for a lot of employers when it comes about uh, reporting and providing own benefits, I think that that's crucial and that's something that we see as a differentiating element in the market. Yes, definitely. And um, when when I talk with clients uh, about uh, the complexity of um, of new mobility, I always make the comparison with with the company cars. Actually, managing a car it's not that easy. Huh? You have mobility uh, multiple providers. Uh, you have to manage the fuel cards. You have to manage the the repairs, the the maintenance. You have to manage the preferences of your employees. So it's, it's quite complex to manage, actually. But companies have been used to do it for years, so it seems easy. And it's the same with new forms of mobility, like the mobility budget. Uh, it seems complex at the first glance, but actually, when you have the right tools like umbrella or others to uh, to manage it, uh, it's it's much easier than managing cars. Yeah, what you just explained, both of you, is actually that employers are really facing multitudes of challenges and that requires uh, innovative solutions. But I'm sure that our audience are also facing the same challenges. So, Peter, can you maybe summarize what are the biggest challenges for employers today and how can they overcome it? Yeah, well, I think that there are um, the ones we, we mentioned about the increasing complexity uh, is, is definitely not helping. Uh, I think they're making sure that you partner with the right um, partners uh, because there is um, some specialization, let's say some expertise needed um, to manage all these different uh, solutions. So that's definitely, I think, a challenge that we see in the market, but that is uh, answered by a lot of um, vendors in the market. Um, what we do, however, also see as, as, as an important um, hurdle for employers today um, on which there are no easy solutions, unfortunately, is a somewhat unstable regulatory framework around all these. Uh, to give a very uh, simple uh, example, way in the beginning, um, when we were talking about the electrification of the fleet, um, some companies were even asking me, uh, yes, but if we, for example, foresee a charging station at our office, are we becoming an electricity provider and should we thus get uh, the necessary registrations at, at Craig and so on? 
So those are in the early days, but still today we see that those kind of challenges are still there. Um, not later than a few months ago, there was uh, an important ruling uh, published around the reimbursement of charging costs at home. So when an em employee charges his electric or plug-in uh, hybrid uh, car at home, and the employer reimburses for those electricity costs. And what the, the, in summary, I'm not going to go into detail, but in summary, what that ruling said is you need to look at the actual cost that the employee is having based on his particular contract with his electricity uh, vendor. Now you can imagine that there are a lot of clients today that are scratching their ears and saying, how on earth are we ever going to manage that? Because if you are lucky and your employees have a relatively simple contract with a fixed price, you could say, well, it's easy. You just take a uh, amount and you multiply it by the number of kilowatt hours. Um, but unfortunately, the electric uh, uh, landscape is not looking like that. You have the complexity of um, reversing uh, meters. You have solar panels. Uh, you have variable um, um, contracts that are there. Uh, you have the digital meters with your uh, peak uh, consumption that determines the price. So it's really an, an absolute administrative nightmare. And, and a lot of companies are now uh, thinking about how will we ever process this um, and actually not finding a solution to date. Um, so they go back to what the initial uh, uh, setup was. Um, however, I do think that, again, it's a changing landscape where new technology is providing answers. Uh, uh, we were talking earlier on uh, with a big elect uh, electric uh, uh, vendor, uh, and they were talking about uh, implementing new technology that could, for example, set up kind of a, a split uh, immediately uh, on the electric bill between what was for charging your car and what was for your uh, home consumption. So there are definitely uh, solutions out there, um, but it is all changing very fast. There are new solutions coming in, other solutions uh, going out, and, and it, it remains at this uh, day still a very... Um, fast-moving market and, and very difficult for employers to to control it all and to understand it all quickly. Yeah, I don't know what your experience Nothing is. to add. That's a very good summary uh, of that. It's, there is a lot of complexity on the market. Uh, it's a complex topic, uh, but employers are not alone in this. Uh, there are right partners to guide them into the solutions they should uh, implement, and there are the right tools to, to uh, help them in the day-to-day -to, -day to manage these uh, new forms of mobility. Well, thank you. That's a very complex topic of today. Um, any words you would like to add before we conclude? Yeah, maybe I think an, an interesting one to see how uh, that will play out. And it came already up, up in, in the press uh, last month, I believe. It's really the divide that is starting to exist between the haves and the haves not. Um, right now, the mobility budget is 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 exclusively available for people who have uh, the entitlement to a company car, uh, which means that those people not only uh, have access to electric cars, which are uh, often more expensive but better for uh, the environment, but also they will have access to additional uh, options within the mobility budget. They have access to the uh, reimbursement for. Uh, rent and the uh, mortgage loan and and so this is really increasing their or overall net pay if you look at uh, employees that don't have that entitlement to a company car um, there was a, a publication a, a month back that uh, published the five most popular cars uh, for people that buy it uh, privately and those had a co2 emission an average of about 125 
versus when you look at company cars there the average is about 10. so it's a huge uh, difference um and um i think what for me would be a a, a big step up is if if the mobility budget would be opened up uh, one way or another to all the workforce not just for people with the company car uh, i think that would be for me an, an ideal uh, scenario for the future yeah i totally agree with that and that's also what i wanted to mention to conclude this this conversation uh because that's something we've been lobbying for uh for a long time um not only for the the equity between uh, employees uh, but also uh, in terms of simplicity. Um, in Belgium, for the employees not having a company car, we have dozens of mechanisms to compensate their commute. Uh, we have kilometer allowances, we have the reimbursement of public transports, we have dozens of uh, systems that exist right now. Uh, what we propose is to replace them all by one universal mobility budget that would allow every employee to have access to that kind of, uh, of benefit that would have a huge impact uh, on um, on uh, sustainability because as you say that will incentivize those employees to also take um, uh, green uh, mode of transport um, and so everyone would win uh, from from that it's really more simple good for the environment and no more friction between employees eligible or not for um, for a company car so let's hope that the next uh, government will take that up yeah. and uh, will implement it yeah and I think I mean we are now at a time that technology is there to really be able to look at mobility budget and look at the actual consumption in CO2 mm -hmm. emission of employees and to really uh, link the two. So yeah. I think the time is now that the momentum is there. Um, so hopefully, indeed, the next government, when mm -hmm. it will be there, uh, can pick that up. Yeah. And uh, for the moment, the because you, you mentioned that uh, the link between carbon and, um, and uh, mobility budgets, but for the moment, mobility budgets are in euros. What could be the future is to have mobility budgets in, in, in tons or kilograms of, of CO2. That will be a real progress because it will have a huge impact on, uh, on uh, the sustainability and the carbon footprint of a, of a company. So I think that might be the future and a few uh, employers might be ready to be pioneers uh, on that. Yeah, curious to see what the, the future will, uh, will bring to us. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Amori and Peter, for this enriching uh, discussion. Yeah, what you. I will definitely remember of today uh, is that the mobility landscape is quite complex and uh, really evolving very fast. So it's clear that mobility today is not just about moving from one place to another, but it's also about making sustainable choice and evolving, staying competitive in the markets and so on. So thank you very much and uh, thank you to our audience uh, to listen to us today and stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank, thank you. you.